Hello, everybody. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a book called 12 Months to 1 Million, and it is about getting a product or a service and really the step-by-step of taking it to that first million dollars. It's an incredible book because of how it is written and the step-by-step that is very well written out. And uh, Matt and I are in the middle of one of those products right now, and so it's kind of fun to bring it all together and present it in a way that makes a lot of sense to us right now. It's a great book. We would highly recommend it. 12 Months to 1 Million. Hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Have a good day. Welcome to the Cash Calf Podcast, where we talk about everything business, including the mentality and practicality of the side hustle. Here are your hosts, Tyler Martin and Matt Bitter. The button's pushed. Nice. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Well, it'll be fun to chat today. We're going to talk a little bit about kind of getting a product to market. Yeah. Which is something that we're new to, but Mm -hmm. have seen a lot of people do it. And uh, we talked with Miles. Um who had invented the the trigger mm-hmm. and um, we read a book, which we recommend to people. It's uh 12 months to 1 million and um, it's just good. So we can just kind of, kind of chat and see where it takes us. Yeah. Yeah. It is cool. That book has been interesting. Um, I really enjoyed it because I've never really done anything like that. Yeah. You know, I've never had a product that we've, you know, developed. And I mean, I guess we have in a way like, you know, you right now we have a real estate development and that was kind of taking one thing and developing it into another product and selling it. Um, but I kind of like the idea of doing it on a small scale, you know, in this Mm -hmm. book, there's a lot of examples of really lean startups. Yeah that really get up and going. And so it's, it's cool to think about that, you know, it's kind of the, uh, the epitome of like the, the American success story, whatever, this guy starts out with 500 bucks in his garage, Mm -hmm. whatever. But we think that that doesn't happen that often, which it, it doesn't, but there's quite a few products that started out that way. Yeah. And so it's, it's pretty cool to think about. Yeah. The, the poopery lady, have you Mm -hmm. gotten to that point Mm -hmm. yet? Yeah. Yeah. It's just so interesting. You know, she, she has a, a problem. Um, she didn't like how the bathroom was stunk up by her husband. So she's like, man, what can I do? She starts researching it, figures this out. And I, I, what did it sell for? Like almost a billion dollars or something? something. Just That's something crazy. insane. And mm-hmm. now you see it all over the place. Mm-hmm. Now you go to Cal Ranch or Walmart or whatever, and there are little poopery sprays it's everywhere. It's normal. Yeah, it's just yeah. a product that we, an everyday product that we kind of yeah, are used to now. It's what you buy. It's, yeah. it's so, so interesting. And the cool thing is that, like we talked about yesterday, you're taking things that already exist in the world. So there's oils and there's fragrances and all of this. And all she does, and now and there's way more that goes into this than all she does. But all she does is put it together, sprays it in the toilet, takes poop, <laughs> and goes, huh, it worked. Yeah. Let's get it to market. And then you take that one product and just get it out there. Get it out to as many people as possible and then start to get feedback. Take that feedback, learn from it, and continue on. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the important thing. You know, it's it's, this this book kind of explains it step by step, you know, different steps of kind of that process. And I'm only in the first 
few steps. But I think a lot of times when we're starting a business, we think, oh, I can, do, I can do this. And then we get another idea and it's like, oh, I can, I can yeah. do that. Or I can go to that product and that, that product's a good idea. And it's like, just focus on one product, you yeah. know, get one idea, get one product, get it out there and then kind of tweak it from there. You know? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's an important thing for anybody starting a business is kind of dial in what your one product is going to be. And for, you know, if you're going to figure out what that one product is, then kind of the step before that is you got to figure out who your customer is yeah. and you've got to really identify that. And, and this is the case for any business. This isn't just if you're going to, you know, th- put a product together to sell. This is if you're going to have a service or any of it, what is your niche market? We talk about that a lot on here and identify that person, what the characteristics of that is, and then you can move into developing a product. Yeah. Get that kind of in the works and then tweak it as you as you go kind of, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And figuring out who that person is. Now the easiest easiest person to figure out is ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know how to market them myself because I know that when I'm scrolling through Instagram, well, it knows you, one. That's the crazy thing, bringing something to market and learning uh, Instagram and Facebook and Google advertising. It is literally taking everything that they say and type into the screen, mm-hmm. and it's marketing. So um, there's an example lately. My brother-in-law, um, which I just love the kid. He's so unique uh, in a good way. Um, he, we were metal detecting the other day. Oh yeah. He's like big into metal detecting. He knows all this stuff and, um, he's wearing these funny looking sunglasses and they, uh, it's going to be tough to explain it without pointing, but they're like normal sunglasses. And then the sides come back closer to your ears and then they're, okay. they're thicker too, almost like you've put tape or something around where the glasses come together mm-hmm. and, um, they're just funny looking and he's like, well, I wanted them because when I'm metal detecting, sometimes the sun comes in this, the side and then it glares and I want to be able to see where I'm looking and yeah, just such a weird, unique product. Interestingly though, that it's close to the same product that Oakley's makes one. And I saw someone at the tactical games that had it on Oh, and I was like, man, I get some blowback. Um, yeah, true. And so I, I'm kind of curious of those. Well then I was looking those up. Stopped looking about the Oakley ones. Then we start talking about his sunglasses and what happens within the next day. The same sunglasses mm-hmm. that he has on are popping up in the feed. Now, not saying all this like to be all conspiratorial, saying it that when you bring a product to market, you can help people find that product that you have created. Even if it's something as unique as these weird sunglasses that cover the you know, sunshade on the sides. Mm-hmm. So someone's really passionate about that. Passionate enough that they were trying, they're essentially redesigning sunglasses. Well, then mountaineers and people who shoot in the tactical games and metal detectors mm-hmm. want these sunglasses. It's pretty dang cool. Yeah. And you don't need a billion people niche to do Like, yeah. that's not a niche. Yeah. You know, like right there, like these sunglasses are for a relatively small 
amount of people really is who they're going to cater to. Yeah. But all of the big, broad, general things are kind of already saturated by Walmart and Amazon and all these things, you know. Um, just to, in the book, they give the example of selling spatulas on Amazon. Yeah. Well, that's a hard thing to do because there's already a huge pool of that out there. Now, if you have a specialized spatula that you, you know, really enjoy cooking and you found something that you can't find anywhere, that's a spatula that does whatever it is. Yeah. Then that's the one, you know, that could be a thing, but just to, to get a general broad product and and put it out there is tough to do anymore yeah and so we've kind of got to find these niche you know little markets and a lot of times like you said it's something that we want ourselves that is not available on the market like that's a perfect problem to solve that's all we do as entrepreneurs is look for problems to solve yeah yeah or tweak an existing product like a spatula for example and he didn't really talk about this in the book but something that pops into my mind is okay spatula is a spatula but what if it has something written on it that I thought was funny? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I want that. Or, or um, you know, sp- smoke brisket, not meth. Something like that. Just, mm-hmm. it's a spatula. It's just a spatula. But it has something on it that makes it unique. Therefore, all of a sudden, it's easy to market to people. You put in people that are passionate about uh, cooking and smoking brisket and dad cooks and you know this mm-hmm. and that all yep. of a sudden you're scrolling through your instagram feed and boom you've got this product yeah and you can put that out several times to people and it takes about seven times for people to see something in order to pull the trigger on it so you know you might see that spatula once and you're like ah, oh, that's funny that'll smoke brisket not meth and then a week and a half later oh there's that spatula again then they find that some influencer that they follow and that spatula dude sent him one. He's like, Hey, no expectation. I just want you to use my spatula. I hope you like it. Mm-hmm. Well, then he posts a picture of it and you're, Oh, he's got it. I must have it. I've got to, I've got to go buy it. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. And those markets that seem so tough to get into there, they are small. Like niche is small, but niche is good. It, we can't beat, he, he brings up Procter and Gamble. You can't go beat Procter and Gamble, but Procter and Gamble is also so big that they can't bring a spatula to market that says "smoke brisket, not meth." Mm-hmm. So yeah. you do that. They don't know about that group of people that that would appeal yeah. to. Yep, and because of the logistics of how long it would take them to even bring that to market, once they do find that group, it's easier for them to just swoop in and buy a business that you've already made, and it's your sweat and blood and tears and time and everything that's gone into that, that's kind of the payday. And and it's value creation on both sides. You created all of that value, which was huge in that niche market. Well, then they pay you and maybe they can take it to a larger audience. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, everything that we do in all of this is value creation. Maybe, Maybe people get tired of that. Like, okay, this is just all about value creation. But if that's the focus, how can you go wrong? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, fun. yeah, for sure. Like I was thinking uh, as I was listening through that on a few different points of that bottle breacher guy that we talked about. Yeah. And how 
you know, here he had an idea, like, do we need another design of bottle openers? Like it, you know, like on the surface, people look at an idea and they're like, well, we already have bottle openers. Well, that wasn't the point. The point was to make a a product that was different and appealed to a certain group of people, you know, military and police and paramedics and firefighters and that kind of thing. Something cool, you know, that now it's going to be a a bottle opener that's made out of a 50 cal bullet or something, you know? And so, um, but just in that book as well, when it talks about, you know, so now you've, now you've identified the person that you're going to, um, market that to, or your niche market, you've identified what the product is, and then you start doing some of that product development or whatever, you know, one thing that stuck out to me is it said, you should be embarrassed about the product yeah. that you take the first product that you take to sell or to pitch to somebody or whatever. And I thought back to that bottle breacher guy and how he said that in his garage, he got his Dremel tool and he was figuring out how to cut out these bottle openers with a Dremel tool and how it was like the first ones that he sold looked terrible. You know, they had like the, the cut marks where it wasn't cut yeah. just perfect and they were spray painted and the spray paint was maybe chipping off and stuff, which is funny now that, cause those are the coolest ones to have. Like oh, yeah. everybody wants those. Yeah. Um, but you know, back, you know, back to that, that kind of that mentality is you should be embarrassed about it and then you just make it better as you go, mm-hmm. you know, and now he's bottle breachers got the process down pat, yeah. like all of their stuff looks very professional. Yeah. And, and once really he had cool. that first product that he put out and made huge, then you can go focus on another product. A lot of times yeah. we get so caught up on, <clears throat> you know, just throwing something out there like a t-shirt company. You go, okay, we, we need five or six products. Like people aren't going to just want to buy one thing from us. Well, no, they, they actually do. Like if that one product is in that niche, Everybody in that niche is going to want it. Mm-hmm. Once you make it there, then you can make another t-shirt design. Or you can go to Honduras and see if you can get your own t-shirts made. But it's okay, and not just okay, it's, it's noble, it's good to get that one product and focus solely on that product. And something I liked that he said too is not think too big in the beginning, which is different because we want to tell people dream big write down your biggest goals, say them every day, verbalize them, affirm them, everything. But he's like, get 10 sales a day. Mm-hmm. Get one product review a day. Like start focusing on that. Once you get to 10, 10 sales a day and that one product review a day, then move to 25. Yeah. Then get to that. And that's like such a logical, such a good way to do it. Because we, we just, I don't know, sometimes we think too big too soon you want to know that it can happen. So I'm not trying to take away from that. You want to know, hey, this could become a multi-million dollar company. It's really tough to become a multi-million dollar company when you have no sales. Mm-hmm. So think small in the beginning. Think one product, get that product to market, and just sell the crap out of it. Well, I think as entrepreneurs, the big stuff is what's exciting to everybody. Oh, yeah. You know, when really most of it's going to be in the trenches grinding, you know, to get there and maybe it'll be something big, you know, yeah. a big success story. Um, it, it, it's interesting too. He gave an example, kind of, uh, something that just popped into my head about that is he gave an example of, there was another company, like there's, 
there's a lot of good examples in there yeah. of companies. Like he talks about the native brand. They do like deodorant and different stuff yeah. like that. Um, he talks about that one. He talks about, is it Quest Bar? Yeah. yeah um, Quest Bar is a huge one. But there was one, and it might have been one of those two, but he's, the guy started it like with $500, you know, in his garage or whatever, same mm-hmm. kind of thing, and sold it for hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. You know, and so I thought, isn't it interesting, like, and it was in a relatively small amount of time, within like a year or two, right? Yeah, I, I or think three? the one that you're talking about is Quest. And Maybe so. Tom Tom Bilyeu, and he was in a, that's cro- probably he was in a yeah, CrossFit that's gym, right. and they're like, hey, we want a protein bar, but we want something that's clean. And you know, he's like, oh, well, there's a niche market. And then starts it in his garage or his parents' basement for 500 bucks, and then sold it to a huge food company for almost a billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So... And within like what a couple of years, yeah, yeah, it was quick. And so, but it's interesting to think about like when we hear stories like that, we don't think about the five hundred dollar guy. Yeah, we think about the billion dollar guy. Like that's all that we think about is like, oh, that guy knows something. He he made a billion dollars. He knows something. He's an expert at business or whatever. Going from that in a year, I'm sorry, you're not an expert. He might be an expert in making that bar and like that kind of that niche or whatever, because he built the niche, right? Like, but that guy, like they're put up on a pedestal, but their knowledge base, I mean, you can learn a lot in a short amount of time, especially if you're going built, you know, growing a company from $500 to a billion, but he, that what probably wasn't his focus either. Yeah. He wasn't focused on making it a billion dollar company. Like he just did really good at the small stuff and it became a billion dollar company. And then he hopefully became a billionaire when that happened so that he could keep the money and continue to be successful with it. But most of that time spent is the $500 guy, not the billion dollar guy, Yeah, you know, and and we don't think about that part of business a lot, unless we've been in it and you kind of understand that it's going to be a grind for a while. Yeah. But we just, we don't celebrate the $500 guy that much. Yeah. And, and, and and it's cool to, uh, I don't know. It's just cool. It is cool. And we should be celebrating them and focusing on them because that, that journey that they're in is really what gets them to be the billion dollar person. You know, you go from zero to a billion with no sales. It's kind of impossible. You have to learn and scale and grow and fail on the way there. And anyone who's made it, like, quote, made it, they're like, it was the journey. Yeah. You know, you, and he talks about this in the book. Maybe it's more towards the end, but he goes, once we made it and we sold our multi-million dollar business, I wasn't any happier. He's like, in fact, it might have been the, the opposite. I thought that I made it, and then all of a sudden I looked around and I go, uh, I'm, not, I'm not that happy. Hmm. You know, so he goes, you've got to have a plan on top of your plan. What's your plan when you make it? Is there an exit strategy? What am I going to do with that money? And so where I'm going with this is that the journey has to be enjoyed, and we have to know that we're going to mess up, we're going to fail. That's just part of it. Learn from it, grow, get better, fail a little bit more mm-hmm. and then that it's so cliche but enjoy the journey remember we used to work with vince yeah oh, just enjoying oh, the journey yeah enjoying yeah. the journey yeah like yeah Every day. that's that's who we really have to become in all of this or else it's just not worth it yeah yeah and i think yeah it's just it's interesting to me that because 
One thing I found too in in business is you never really know, like you can plan ahead, you can plan for the future, but you never really know how anything's going to work out. Like you know, like I mean, you you kind of have an idea and you do some market research. Like you're not going blind, but yeah, usually it doesn't work out the way that I think it's going to work out anyway. Yeah, and so like to look at a billion dollar guy that was a five hundred dollar guy a year ago and think that like. I mean, obviously there's a learning curve there, but like at what point do you, just cause the pedestal thing, like at what point do you say, okay, they know something now. Yeah. You know, they go from you're nuts, you're nuts. You're, you're, you're making granola bars in your garage to like, oh, Hey, that's cool. Like, where is that point along the, the, the scale? You know, it's yeah. just so weird as a society, how we, how we treat these things. And so you can't look at society for your happiness or for your fulfillment. Like you're saying, you have to just enjoy figuring it out along the way. I mean, that guy was probably like found a need, filled the need. And if he made an extra couple hundred bucks a month, he's probably happy. And then it turns into this huge thing, you know, or he gets in and he's like, Whoa, like there's more here than I thought. So I'm going to push to this next little benchmark. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That worked out. Okay. I'm going to perfect it in this way. It's more about curiosity than getting to the billion dollars. Yeah. You know, every step along the way, he didn't, I, I doubt he had a plan to get to a billion. I yeah. mean, probably at some point he's like, well, I could really make something out of this. Yeah. But for a while it was just doing a little bit better and making the product a little bit better and making it a little bit better. Like that's all it is. These little tiny benchmarks along the way. It's really cool. But it's, it's crazy to think about it. It it's, is. It's really fun. There's another uh, protein bar company, and, um, you know, we run a a gym, and they approached me in the very beginning, and they're like, hey, we want to get this out to the CrossFit community. What are some thoughts, some ideas, and kind of consulted with them a bit, and um, it was, it was, it's interesting to see them over this long period of time, because they've gotten, and I say long period, it's been like maybe four years, they've gotten huge, and I've watched them come out with other products, you know, so they have their normal protein bar, but then they'll come out with like protein bites or they'll come out with this or that. Then those products go away. They didn't, mm-hmm. they, they don't make it. They don't do anything. But that original product that they have, everybody loves it. And that's the product that continues on. Hmm. So, you know, even focusing on that one product forever might not be that bad of an idea, you know, um, you think I've got to have more products to get to that billion dollars. Well, they're probably a billion dollar company now, or at least in the hundreds of millions, they didn't make it on other products. They made it on that first original one, hmm. which is just kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's really cool. Many ways to skin a cat who skins cats. I don't know. It isn't. That's gross. It, it is a weird, a yeah. weird saying for sure. <laughs> okay. But, uh, <clears throat> no, it, it, it is interesting. And I think that, this could probably all be um, used and probably the same kind of thing for like a, even a service-based yeah. business. You know, I mean, I mean, it's similar, similar stuff. You know, you come out with one core service that you're offering and then maybe you branch into a few other things, but you do one thing really well. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it kind of leads into other stuff, but... Yeah, there is something very truthful about uh, 
jack of all trades is a master of none. Like if we can become a master at one thing, you can always, you know, we talk, some people talk about fallback plans and, you know, secondary plans and everything. I'm not huge into that. Well, you don't need to be huge into that if you are just a master at something. You can build curbs better than anyone can build curbs. You can build a rock landscape wall better than anybody. People are going to start to call you. Now, my, my in-laws, they, they're experts in ice. It's mm-hmm. so weird. It, they build these amazing ice structures. Well, if anyone ever is curious about an ice structure, they call them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, we were curious about this. We didn't know who else to call. Like, you can be an expert in ice. It's weird. Yeah. Well, and I think even, you know, as, uh, you can be an expert in putting businesses together. Yeah. You know, and not really even be an expert at necessarily the trade that the business is doing. Like, it's just, there is so many opportunities and so many ways to do things. Like, nobody has a perfect plan because everybody's situations are different. I was looking into, uh, just kind of came across it, but a successful person that I don't even know if they live in our community or not, but they own property here and uh, has a, a website, you know, that for some is businesses or whatever and looked at it and it said that he had um, been part of or created over a hundred business partnerships and entities Wow! in his business career. And so, you know, and so there, there's two sides to the spectrum. You know, here we sit, we hear like get into one business and just focus on that business, which I can see value in that for a lot of, a lot of people. Yeah. Yet here's a guy that's super successful and has started over a hundred businesses and partnerships. Yeah. You know, so it's just, it is, it's, it's a, a neat thing to be a part of because you can shape it any way you want. Yeah. You know, you can, you can do, and that's within your business. You can do it, how you structure, um, other businesses outside your core business or have two or three core businesses or whatever. Like there's just a lot of different ways that you can do it. You, and, and back to freedom, you know, as cash calf, we talk about that. That's our big thing is the, the side hustle and, and becoming your own boss so that you can have that freedom element of, you know, whether it's financial freedom or time freedom or whatever, we'll talk about freedom is you like to, you know, make tie dye shirts, you can start a business around that. And then a couple years down the road, you decide that you want to make granola bars or whatever, you can make a business around that. And you can go out and you can create those products and those businesses, however you want. Like that's ultimate freedom to me is to be able to be anything that I'm interested in. I can start a business around that and I can make it a focus and I can, um, enjoy bringing that business to other people in my own way. It's kind of cool and neat. It is. I, well, and I like how you put it. Kind of, it's just doing your passion. Mm-hmm. And if we keep that a passion, you know, sometimes it's easy to, I talk about this book a lot because it's so good, but The E-Myth with Michael Gerber. He takes you through this lady's journey and she's a, she makes pies. And she's so good at making pies. And so everyone's like, you need to start a pie business. So she starts a pie business. But then what that becomes is wake up at 3 a.m., she has to make pies from four till eight. You open the shop, sell pies throughout the day, doors close, 
go home, do book work, mm-hmm. go to sleep, wake up at 3 a.m., make pies. So a little while in, she's like, I hate making pies. Like, this sucks. I used to love making pies. So then she's, she hires someone to go in, and, and they make pies now for her. But they don't do it exactly how she does it, so it's not good enough. So she has to step back in and start making pies. So you kind of have to get over that whole, like, technician, manager thing. If you really love making pies, then you should make a pie when you want to make a pie. Mm -hmm. But if that becomes a job and you start to hate it, that's not good for anybody. Yeah. So we want to try as soon as possible to move ourselves into that business owner role. And that's, like, the ultimate freedom. When you can just step away and be like, you know, hey, hey, Tom. I don't know why Tom came to my mind, but hey, Tom, can I make pies with you today? I love making pies. Mm-hmm. Sure. Come make pies with me. You know, but she doesn't have to make a pie. Yep. She just gets to make a pie. And she has a team of people that are working around her concept. Yeah. The accountants doing the book work, the employees are doing the pies, the managers opening the shop at four o'clock in the morning or whatever. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, it's, you can structure it that way. You can structure it any way you any want. Any way you want. Yeah. yeah maybe it's, she it's does really enjoy, neat. she doesn't, but <laughs> maybe yeah. somebody else does enjoy waking up at three and continuing to make their pies forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a local donut shop guy and he did it for a couple of years and he loved it. And then one day he's like, I don't love this anymore. So he hired some people to come in and take his spot. You can move and direct business in any way that is moral, legal, and ethical. Just make it happen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, to me, that's the ultimate freedom is to be able to pursue whatever interests we want to pursue, you know, and have the time to, to do it yeah. and the structure and however we, we choose to have our lifestyle. So, yeah, yeah. I like yeah, that really a lot. Cool. So, yeah, bringing a product to market is something that um, I think anyone can do. It's just the unknown and anything that you and I have ever done in the past is stepping into the unknown. There's nothing wrong with stepping there. It, we have to. We've got to get out of that comfort zone. Get out, grow, um, and and bringing a product to market maybe isn't as hard as we thought. There's somebody out there that will make it for you. Uh, you can order it from Alibaba.com. You can get it made locally. You can do your tie-dye shirts yourself. And then we just have those resources right at our fingertips. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. And there's people that even love and do really well going around to trade shows and uh, local farmers markets and stuff like that. Yep. You know, it, more local. The stuff. sky is the limit. You can do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, you, it's interesting to see too. Like you talk about Alibaba, which is a huge resource and easy to easy to use. Relative, we've done some things in the past where we've had those kinds of things manufactured, which it's incredible to me. When we first started using that, I was like, this is going to be terrible. How do you communicate what you want with somebody that's on the other side of the world. How does it get packaged appropriately? Like I have such a small mindset, you know, like micromanager mindset probably about this stuff, but how am I going to communicate to them? How am I going to communicate properly? And there's a language barrier there sometimes too, you know, how am I going to communicate properly what I want? Um, Is it going to get here in a timely manner? Is it going to get, you know, is it going to be all beat up and fell off the edge of it? You know, all of these yeah. things. And it was great. Yeah. We actually 
it every time that we did an order from there, it worked out really well. Pe- the manufacturers were always very fast to get back to us, and the the product was better than we ever could have had made on our own. You know, and, yeah, and it, it was just cool. It's cool to think that you can. We really can direct business globally now. Yeah, from a cell phone, <clears throat> and so it's incredible. So you know. The world is at our fingertips. We can do it as big as we want to, or we can do it as small and as localized as we want to as well and be successful in both ways, just depending on what we're trying to bring to the market and how we're trying to, you know, add value, I guess, to people. Well, it's cool, too, to think through all of that and you go, okay, well, you use Alibaba, which is a big website, which was started by someone who was probably kind of passionate about getting manufacturers information out to distributors or or consumers and then within that you've got all these other little businesses whether it's china or india or wherever and they're like well you know we're really good at manufacturing hats and we can customize that for people so then within that Mm -hmm. that's another niche that custom you know making hats for people is a probably a pretty small niche you know there's a lot of different manufacturers and it started out small and then it grew bigger and you can get anything you can find anything on alibaba like we ordered a couple rock climbing walls and Hmm. got them manufactured and shipped over and had to go to a port and then you know come over on a truck like it's a rock climbing wall that was manufactured we were emailing people back and forth in china and then they made it there and it's just cool. It is. Yeah, it's amazing. And then you think about, okay, the shipping is a business. Yes. The people at the ports are businesses. The transportation is a business. And then you can even hire somebody to that it gets delivered to their warehouse, and they take care of the shipping for you. Yes. You know, drop ship it. So you don't ever have to have a warehouse or the product. You can pay somebody's small business to do that. Like, it, our world is made up of small business, and yeah. yet we really... I feel like, you know, we governments and people really undermine what small business is. We're so focused anymore on these huge corporations and what Elon Musk is doing and everything else, which is great. They definitely yeah. add uh, comfort and and things to our lives that we need. But small business is the main driver of our economy. Yeah, it's it's little mom and pop. Yep. Shops, you know, and that's that's it. That's the main thing is the the middle class, which it feels like is kind of shrinking, unfortunately. Yeah. But when you break it down, like it, it really is small business that is the driver of it. So, yeah. Uh, even thinking about putting up those rock walls, we had to go rent a lift. Well, you rented the lift from a business. We had to do some touch-up paint from where we put it in. We had to go buy that paint. We had to put it up with bolts. We had to go buy those bolts. It's just cool. And like most of those chain. are small yes. local businesses. Yep. You know, I exactly. mean, or maybe somebody owns a few different stores in a few uh, towns around the area, but it's a small business. Yeah. What What is the definition of small business now? Isn't it less than 500 employees? I don't know. Let me look. I mean, you can have 499 employees and you're still a small business. Which is a good-sized business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to look it up because I'm curious exactly what that is. Um, uh, it doesn't, that didn't really 
Wikipedia doesn't really have a good good answer. Okay. Well, and so, it might be a changing answer right now. You know, I know. So it's saying, this one says privately owned corporation partnership or sole proprietorship. I mean, there there is a number for it, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, oh, let's see. The IRS standard is 500 employees or less. You're right. Okay. Yeah, which then I, I guess you're taxed differently and all of that. But here's the thing. It, you know, we're <clears throat> go big. You know, it's like, oh, well, I don't want to move into that next tax bracket. Well, <laughs> if you move into that next tax bracket, it means you're making more money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we shouldn't let that be the driver of things either. Get really passionate about one thing and just get really good at it. Yeah. And then see where it takes you. And going big anymore doesn't have to be 500 employees. Yeah. Like, wasn't it Instagram that was bought by Facebook and they had like nine employees? Like, I, don't it, know. That's I, awesome. I think it was it was bought for multiple billions of dollars. And yeah, I think it was like a team of nine people or something. I don't even know if they had a, like a legit office building or anything. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and even like the Quest Bar guy or any of those, I doubt that they, they, they probably didn't have 500 employees. They just had yep. an idea and mm-hmm. they had a product and they had, um, you know, they were filling a need and these bigger companies could see that, you know, so it's, it's, it's pretty... I don't know. It's just interesting to yeah. see all of the different ways that you can make a living, find happiness, find fulfillment on your own terms. Like it's it's limitless of what we can do, you know. And so if if somebody is not fulfilled where they're at, change it. Maybe you're not fulfilled in your own business. Change yep. it. Maybe you're not fulfilled in your job. Change it. Like there is no reason for us not to be pursuing things that we are absolutely excited about yeah i totally agree so yeah i like it well this is a little shorter than normal but we don't need to push it out further than it is i mean we really you know taking a product to market or taking a service to market is small business it's it's cash calf it's that side hustle that small deal which could turn into something huge but i think the takeaway is that we need to pick that one thing find who we're going to market to and then just get really, really good at that product or service and start to get some people on board, get some sales and then move, move from there. But we have to start with those first sales. You have to have sales. Mm -hmm. So, yep. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's awesome. And we're doing that right now. We're in the process of building a brand and a product. And so, you know, we can talk about that more as we yeah. as we move forward into it and, and keep, you know, keep updated and things that we find as we go. So yeah. that's what this is all about is learning and then sharing that knowledge. Yeah, to totally agree. So, Well, if anyone wants to have any, you know, certain episodes or certain ideas, reach out and let us know. Um, we're always, you know, chatting about what we're going to chat about next. And so there's that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Follow us on social media. Yeah, that's right. All the stuff. All the good stuff. So cool. Well, thanks, Matt. I Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Have a good day. You too.